I think my funniest arena story is I was invited to the very beginning, the closed, closed alpha. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is so cool. Like something that might replace magic online. I'm going to play all these cool things. And they sent me a, a username and password. And my username and password didn't work. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, it happens. It's, it's, a, it's just an alpha. So I, so I emailed them back. I said, hey, I want, I want to make sure I can help test for you. Uh, please fix my email and password. And I got nothing back. And I was like, all right, well, one more time. I like, please fix my email. And I was like, oh, sorry, we missed your first thing. Here, here's your fixed email and password. I was like, ah, oh, great. Awesome. I try to log in. It doesn't work. I was like, all right uninstall and then i didn't have an arena account until just like a couple months ago (laughs) i played two full pts without an actual arena account they're always like oh we need you to give us your arena account so we can let you play the the ptqs or or whatever they are the qualifier events like yeah i don't have one Hey everyone, welcome to episode 235 of the MTG Grandcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rappel. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Hello, Chris. And joining us to give us a look at the upcoming Kamigawa Neon Dynasty set championship, we have invited Justin Gennari, aka I Am Actually Level 1 of moto vintage grinding fame and of qualifying for this arena tournament in probably the two formats farthest away from vintage as possible uh but hey justin thank you for joining us oh thanks for having fresh me. off a top eight challenge right and I, I watched you on saturday you, you top eight i top eighted the showcase last weekend so i'm not qualified for another uh mox event or mox qualifier event very wordy names and they're all the same name so i always have to like look at a the site to like remember what each tournament is because i'm not actively playing in the series yeah it's this it's a mouthful usually so justin we're gonna ask you about a bunch of stuff today definitely part of it and part of what we were talking about even before the show is just kind of the adjustment to playing on arena from magic online so i'm sure we'll touch on that a bunch i guess why don't we just start off by talking about the transition to and how you kind of prepared for this tournament what was your testing process like uh who was in your testing group and like how how do you generally because i know this isn't your first of these set championships and how do you generally go about uh preparing for one of these yeah yeah absolutely as as far as testing goes i have not done what I think is the best kind of testing yet, and that is a dedicated team environment test group. Uh, and, mm-hmm. th- and there are actually a lot of uh, endeavors recently for like open team testing. I know Minkuchi had, a, had an open call out for testing. I know there's one uh, that is, is focused on more of like the marginalized community on helping those players get testing. Uh, I know like one of the other pros was doing all open online testing on Twitter and, and streaming. But for me, because I don't have a lot of time to invest in preparing for these arena tournaments, uh, I don't think it's usually fair for me to go on a team and be like, oh, I wanna, I'm want i going to you know, leech off of uh, someone who's working 10, 20 times as hard as me to get testing done. And I, I'm, cause I'm watching these kids, like the Zoomers who are, get, are qualifying for the first time now that they're getting of age or some of the pros who are still really into it. And these people are putting in hours and hours of a day. And I, I just can't even do that. So again, this time, this is now my 
it's my third time qualifying for uh, an arena set championship through Magic Online Vintage. Uh, and it, it is what was basically my third time testing solo again. So, yeah, you have, I mean, you are primarily a vintage player. You, you qualified for all of your set championships through playing vintage, is what, yeah, that's... yeah. I, so like my original Magic competitive story was paper grinder, a P, uh, like a Northeast PPTQ grinder. Like I would go every weekend, I would find the nearest PPTQ, I'd play standard and modern. You know, I was grinding GP, so I was flying around the country. I'm like, I'm going to qualify for the Pro Tour. I want to, you know, see uh, see the world, play the game. Uh, <laughs> however you say that. Uh, and I actually never ended up qualifying for a paper PT while I was doing that. Uh, I had you know, a couple close calls, like a an RPTQ top eight loss, so, you know, winning in like a twelve three at a Grand Prix that didn't make it, or all those kind of like near misses. I was like, oh, I was when the the paper PT started to like, go away, and you could see the signs of the the system going away. I was like, ah, oh, I can't believe I never got to do what I wanted to do. But at that point, I was doing uh, mainly vintage and streaming Magic online because I've been doing that for like almost three years now. And then it just so happened that they started putting like all kinds of uh, uh, vintage PTQs. They're like, oh yeah, what if we what if we give the vintage players a PTQ? What if we uh, let the vintage players like join the mocks? It's like, all right, cool. I got a, a mox qualification, which was a set championship qualification as well, and then a top two a super qualifier and one a a, a normal qualifier PTQ, all playing vintage on Magic Online. Yeah, it's from that that wave of like pandemic. We're all in this together. Here's a million PTQs that have. <laughs> we're not really sure what they qualify for yet, but they've got PTQ in the title. So here you go. It was exciting because I was like, "What's this going to be like?" But it was also it was very disappointing because it wasn't wasn't what I had wasn't the same goal that I had. You know, while I was traveling the country, traveling the like, traveling the world, like I went to I went to Sweden and Italy to play in these Grand Prix. And I was like, I really want to do exactly this, and it wasn't exactly that, and I don't, and it wasn't going to ever be that because of the whole pandemic situation. But it, it was, you know, it was definitely demoralizing because I I know if I had queued for a paper PT, I would have been like calling on my buddies. I would go, you know, we would put decks together, we would be jamming, I'd be finding people to. And I would just spend all this time. I know I know I would spend all this time on, on trying to, to do as well as I possibly could. And when it finally came time to be like, oh, I'm playing arena, I'm working my nine to five, I'm I, I'm you know, I'm not comfortable on this platform. I'm not doing anything. It was it was a little rough. What do you think is made the most difference to that? What's created that feeling in you that it's it's just not the same thing or that you're not as excited about it? Like, like, where do you think that's really coming from? It's definitely somewhat of a a people aspect and and that's like not arena's fault that's just an aspect of being online the biggest way that i coped with the change between playing online and playing in paper was streaming for me when i'm you know with my chat and all of these extra people it feels like i'm actually still playing with people there are people around me there's a social aspect to it uh, and, and I actually now at this point, I enjoy playing Magic Online more than I enjoy playing paper because it cuts out all of the the nonsense of paper. You know, you have to acquire cards, you have to shuffle your deck, you have to travel, you have to there, there's like a get to watch for cheaters. You have to do all of these things. So I actually enjoy playing the actual game online better than I even wanted to play paper magic right now. Uh, but mm-hmm. but the the still it's still not the obviously it's still not the same uh, as being with other people and and meeting these 
these pros, or these people you know online, or the people you you tested with around the country or around the world at at this point. Um, it, it, it's just I think it's just missing the social, uh, and, and definitely the whole idea of not being in, in a in a new place. Uh, like it's kind of similar to the idea where you're when you're working from home, it's not the same as being in the office. You don't have the same feeling of oh, I am now doing something different. Yeah, and I, I think it's the, you know, you're in some city that, like, none of you are familiar with, but you have magic in common, and so that mm -hmm. can end with you, like, like getting PT right. dinner with somebody that you, whose articles you've read, but you've never met before, but you have this in common now, and, and that uh, you don't get arena dinner with anybody. <laughs> exactly. Was most of your prep then on your own, or did you at least have people that you were chatting with about things you were finding out or what what was sort of the the like day-to-day -day of figuring out what's going on yeah in alchemy and historic yeah at at this point um my, my, my stream and my reach is a lot more than what it used to be so i do have mm -hmm. people who are much smarter than me or are grind a lot harder than me or both uh to to bounce questions off even Sometimes when they're on teams or if they're not on uh, if they're not on teams or like they didn't qualify this round. Uh, so I, I I definitely messaged a bunch of people on like, hey, like, what do you think is good in this format? Uh, what do you think is going on? What do you think got boosts from the newest cards? I'm in a discord call. I think they call it the hive mind, which is a bunch of magic online grinders uh, that was started by a bunch of zoomers so that they could connect with the the, the boomers and the MTG grinders. And so that that place is full of people who play much more magic than me and much higher level. Uh, and everyone there is always willing to like show out a little, shell out a little bit when it's not, you know, giving away their team deck or, 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 or a strategy that's like too in depth. Uh, so I was able to, you know, talk with a bunch of people. I have my close friend group just from back when I was grinding on uh, paper events who I, you know, I was always giving them my lists. And then uh, I was asking like people who were a little bit more in tune with the format, uh, just like what's going on, what what can I do? Uh, and and this time I took a bit of a different approach deck wise and and, and I guess sub testing wise because the previous rotors were standard and historic, and standard mm -hmm. is a great format where there are no fake cards <laughs> that you can play <laughs> on Magic Online. <laughs> And so actually, for those events, I was just testing uh, on Magic Online. I was playing in prelims. I was uh, I was playing against other people on Magic Online. I was like, I have, I can play any deck at any point. Like, however far away this Pro Tour is, I can, I can practice for it. Uh, when, when I learned that this one uh, was Alchemy and Historic, which are <laughs> Alchemy I have never played before, and Historic I've only ever played for the Pro Tour because the format is not really super accessible for someone who has not have a full arena collection um mm -hmm. there was like a lot of learning about what is what is actually happening in these formats and i i i, I, I'll, I'll, I want to talk we'll start with alchemy then was it was it your tweet that i saw i saw somebody saying like deck submitted i still have no idea what cards are legal in either of these formats <laughs> yeah that was probably me i've definitely tweeted that one before <laughs> i think i've tweeted that one three times now <laughs> yeah, just have a have a scheduled tweet for every three months or whatever <laughs> how much how much do you guys play alchemy and historic i play none at all i've played a reasonable amount but my i have not had time to get into it much over the past week or so so i'm definitely behind on it oh 
almost all, actually 100% of my engagement with Alchemy and Historic. I, I uninstalled Arena a while ago now. I haven't played it in months. Almost all my engagement is just from coverage or from streams. Mm. That's that's it. If you want to give us the overview, you know, one format at a time, yeah. then that would definitely, I think that would be good for our listeners too, because I don't think that they uh, all keep up with either of these formats. Because looking at the numbers, Alchemy and Historic on Arena have a play rate of like under 20% of like standard on Arena. So these are not particularly it, popular it's formats. actually way worse than I thought because I saw those number posts too and it's worse than I mm -hmm. thought it was actively difficult to find matches of alchemy and historic on the ladder and I, I, yeah. I'm not, like, I, I was like I don't have a team so I was like uh using the ladder somewhat to just get uh, arena reps but when I was starting to when I hit mythic and I wanted to play alchemy or historic best of three it was almost impossible to find a match and so I was like, well, what if I play best of one? It was still hard to find a match. And that's coming from someone who waits 10 minutes in vintage queues on Magic Online. Like, when I'm playing <laughs> a, a, Arena, I'm like, okay. So uh, Arena, at least I have all these people to play against. I have, you know, I'll have fast queues. I'll be able to do whatever I want. And it was like three minutes, four minutes, five minutes to find a match. And then if you get in the match, oh, it's not even someone who's mythic. They're diamond and they're playing with life gain lands and their deck is not actually competitive. And like, like, what what am I doing here? That's really frustrating. Is that made you question your approach and think maybe for future events like this, you're gonna need to find a team, find people to be yeah. the people it, you it, play if, games against? If you against? want to win a pro tour or do well a pro tour, you need to you should be finding a team. For me, this time around, I, I used the ladder uh, in a different way. Uh, I I didn't really consider it testing. It wasn't mm -hmm. testing for me. What they are, a ladder allowed me to do was gain physical reps of arena games. Uh, I'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but the deck that I'm playing in Historic was a combo deck. And I was very uh, hesitant to play a combo deck in previous set championships because I felt like arena would cost me games. And so I actually, mm -hmm. in, in my previous set championships, I played... Uh, auras and red green ember cleave and then in the second one i played uh two red green ember cleave decks and i was just like i'm going to attack and i'm going to do as little as possible to do with arena i'm just going to try to do the best i can attacking and i still lost at least one set, set championship game to a, a auto tapper <laughs> <laughs> so uh so what i i just didn't look at it as testing as much as it was proof of concept of, of goldfishing my combo deck and getting myself reps on how to uh, actually do the combo. And I, I did that in a probably an unhealthy amount of time in like two since it was the, the, the month just turned over. Right. So it was like a Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday was uh, March 1st. And by March 3rd, I had played. It has to be at least 100 matches of ladder to go from bronze to mythic. And I and I won 90 two percent 93 percent of my matches oh my god and it, those weren't i don't think i won 93 percent of my matches i think i just goldfished 80 games right. you know like it was crazy so number one which which deck is this and then i guess we can go a little bit into whatever understanding of the historic format you were able to gain from the games that you did play yeah Historic is a format that I have an understanding of from previous championships. I know like a little bit about what's going on. Obviously, they banned like multiple cards since the last time I played. When I looked at Historic, I was like, I want to play a combo deck. And I, I said, hey, smart people, 
what combo decks are there in Historic? And they said there are no good combo decks in Historic. <laughs> I was like, so it's like, ah, right, okay, okay, give me, give me the fringe playable combo decks in Historic. And so there's like a, a, a invoke creativity that puts the Sarah emissaries in play, uh, and there's like a Tainted Pact, but no one was really working with Tainted Pact. And then there was Dragon Storm. I was like, that's cool, but there's no way that's possibly good. I'm like, wait, Matt Nass played this at a at a fur tour. That still doesn't probably mean anything. <laughs> Uh, and then I saw uh, Matt Ness had played uh, Paradox Engine at a set championship, and I'm like, "That's that's that's very me. That, that's now that's a card that I can really get behind." Uh, Paradox like, in the name, that's got exactly you know, exactly that alone. a little bit of Mox Amber, you know. So I'm like, "Oh, this this is good. It, it, could this be good?" And I and I looked at it and I was like, "This is probably not good." But let me just make sure I haven't missed anything coming from the new set. Because I went around, and it's actually super hard to find arena lists, historic lists. Like when I want, really when I want to. That's why. That's why it's part really hard for me to keep up with the the format. Like I just can't look at deck lists. Like I can't every other format. Exactly. When I went to, I normally just go to Goldfish and I look at the last challenge on Magic Online, or I look at the last PTQ that was played. And when you go to find uh, Alchemy Hersorc, there's just nothing there. There's a a deep information drought with those formats. And I, when I have played either of them, I'm generally just like playing my own list for fun because it's very difficult to approach the format from a, an analytical standpoint. And so I had like found, I think it was a Matt Nass list from a, a set championship at some point. Uh, and then I had mm -hmm. seen there was, there was, there's like one website that has a bunch of arena stuff. I can't even remember the name of it right now, but there was like one recent article of somebody who played best of ones with the deck. And I was like, I look at their list. I was like, that list looks very, very bad. But the Matt list, Matt list looks very like, well, it's a Matt Nass list. He obviously put, put, put some amount of time into it. And I was like, what? let me just make sure there isn't something new that could really change things. And I, and I did find something new that could change things. And, and it had brought, brought up to me by a couple of people who were asking me, or I was talking to people about combo decks, and that's Reality Chip. And so that, for, for the listeners, that's a new card from Neon Dynasty. It's a one of those trans, transforming equipment uh, creatures. Uh, so it's a one blue legendary creature artifact that becomes an equipment. And when it is equipped, it's uh, a bolus citadel is not the right word. It's a future site. Future site. Yeah. yeah. I just put everything in terms of bolus citadel because of vintage. But it, it's <laughs> like a bolus yeah, citadel. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's a future site. Uh, and, and so the big thing, I had no idea this card was a legendary until I played it and my mox amber was turned on. And I said, yeah. oh. Oh, that's a that's a really big deal because Mox Amber is so horrible because <laughs> it's always so hard to turn on. And so I you get to add a bunch of cards to turn on, and I was like, wait a second, there's also the new Springleaf drum. The Moon Snare prototype. Moon Snare prototype. And, yeah. and I was like, well, that actually works really well too. So now that you have all kinds of uh you can actually use your creatures, like your Kinians for mana. And so I was like, well, how much does this change anything? Because I had Goldfish the deck a little bit, and I was like, this deck seems like it could work, it might not work. And then I started playing with the Reality Chips and the Moon Snares, and I was like, oh, no, this deck like actually works. Like I'm comboing on turn three in this format, where I don't think I'm supposed to be comboing on turn three, and I won at least one or two games on turn two in Historic. <laughs> Mm -hmm. which I know they're not supposed to do now. And those are like, obviously very like one in a hundred draws because they're like, you have to have multiple mox ambers. But um, I, I started playing that deck. I was like, this is comboing enough at an enough like rate that I, I'm okay with 
with putting time and 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 grinding this deck. And that's why I chose to play the latter was because the paradox engine combo is usually you have an emery and you have like a, a chromatic sphere or two mox ambers and you are just replaying them over and over from your yard as your engine untaps your emery. Uh, so you like draw through your deck and then kill them somehow. And I was mm -hmm. like super afraid of that on arena. I was like, am I, am, I was like asking people, I'm like, how does the rope work? Will I get roped? But will, will I lose my own timeouts? I was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Someone help. <laughs> <laughs> Did you but, learn the secret shortcut for tapping all your mana sources? Oh, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. When I was playing a Paradox Engine deck, I did learn. I don't know it anymore because it's been like over a year. But there's some sort of button you press that you press it twice and it just taps all your mana sources for you. Oh, that's scary. I don't trust them. <laughs> I don't trust them to do that. It, it, what I did learn is it wasn't that bad. Like once you got the physical motions and you played a little bit, it, it really wasn't that big a deal. It's it just like I know that I have years of muscle memory in MTGO and I can I can do a paradox outcome combo on vintage like faster than most people should be able to do to do that but then when I was like doing this I was like oh this is a popping out of my screen where like well, that's very similar to MTGO mm -hmm. too but uh it, it was a little intimidating but it's not the same it's not the same spot it's you're nope. not hitting the same buttons like it's it's, it's just a different it's a different cadence mm -hmm. the thing that magic online does is it is very formulaic and uh the things you do and in, in your stops you have a you have a you have a physical cadence on you know when you're going to press something uh and then you go to arena and stops don't exist unless you make them exist but then when you make them exist there's too many so it's like yes. very very difficult to figure out oh can i do this like one of the things is like if you play a mox amber and make sure that you and if you already have a mox amber in play and make sure that you want to play that to, you know to help new players not destroy their own mox ambers which is great but i if you hit no then sometimes it like empties your mana pool and goes to the next phase and you're just like oh no i didn't, I didn't want to lose all the mana that i had floating oh geez <laughs> or or it's like well i need to turn on full control because i want to be able to tap my current amber before this amber resolves and untap my uh via paradox engine and then when the new one comes in it can go away and so like there, there was just a lot of learning how to actually play the game arena and that's what i kind mm -hmm. of used the latter s testing for gotcha so you know I, I i don't expect you to have a ton because it, it just doesn't seem very possible to to get this <laughs> just by playing ladder but but what are your impressions of the format you know what are you going to play against what are you happy to play against what mm. are you a little scared mm. of like what's what's kind of the makeup of the so, format so right for now? historic there are decks that are the the big decks of the format and the biggest deck mm -hmm. in the format is food which everyone you know that, that has been for a while and then like in standard and then historic and alchemy like uh, even pioneer i assume right I'm pretty sure there's a food deck in Pioneer. Uh, there has been multiple. Yeah. But yeah, that that's the the the, the it's not food is the not the biggest one, but it's food and Phoenix are the two big. And for decks. food, we're talking about the very low to the ground Luris version of the sacrifice deck. Luris food. So you're thinking like uh, um, Gilded Goose, Familiar Witch, Squirrel Oven, Trail of Crumbs, uh, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So there's a that food deck which is like a very grindy 
Luris deck. And then there's the Phoenix deck, which is exactly what you would think would be in a Phoenix deck. It's Expressive Iteration and Arclight Phoenix and Dragon Rage Channeler and uh, you know Faithless Looting, consider. I think the deck to beat, the deck that's on everyone's mind for Historic is Phoenix. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a lot of Phoenix. Uh, I don't know yeah. if most players can... Like, I don't think a lot of Brews in, uh, in, <laughs> in Historic beat Phoenix. It compounds by a lot of the things that you would make to beat, like Phoenix might lose to food or might lose to control or um, there's a control deck, a blue-white control deck. There's a, like a Rakdos Arcanist deck with like Inquisition. There's Auras, which I don't think is good, uh, even with the new Light Paws. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think that worked out. For for listeners who are not totally, who don't totally understand that, I think the huge, the big difference there is uh, ethereal armor versus no ethereal armor. So in Pioneer, any of your one man enchantments make your light paws enormous, and just not having ethereal armor existing is a a gigantic difference to that. Like you would need to play a two mana enchantment to get all the glitters and you can't play that many non all that glitters two mana enchantments in your deck so that's the deal with with uh auras in in historic versus pioneer yeah i'm not the like most in tune with pioneer but from what i can tell it's it's similar to historic however historic as a format is the most frustrating thing to try to deck build in <laughs> because to this day do not know what cards are in Historic. They love to add sets, but that they're not sets. They're uh, collections. They're, what, what are they called? Anthologies. Anthologies. They'll add like 20 random cards. So so every once in a while, someone would be like, well, why don't you play this card in your Historic deck? And I was like, <laughs> why, why, why why would that be legal? That's, that's, from, that's from some set that was way before Historic. And then you just find out, oh, no, it's <laughs> in an Anthologies. So it's now in Historic. It's like, oh, oh, my. <laughs> Yeah, and plenty of stuff that skipped over, like Muxus skipped over Modern and Pioneer, but it is in Historic. <laughs> it's a crazy format. Like, Mind's Desire is legal in this format. Yes, and it's completely unplayable. <laughs> Even a card you mentioned earlier, Chromatic Star, that's not in any of the anthologies or anything. But, it's just in a random no, no, Jumpstart deck. Not Star, Sphere. Or Sphere, Because I, don't, sphere, yeah, I yeah. don't think Star... Star is not I don't legal, think Star is legal, is, yeah. or else I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> But that like happened all the time. Uh, uh, I was like shooting my my deck list for uh, up to people, being like, "Hey, you think I'm missing anything? Like, am I missing a card that is in this format that I just don't know is in this format?" And that was something I, I actively did uh, on mo multiple occasions. I was like, "Please just go. Like, you don't have to tell me that. You, I know the deck's not great. I don't need you to tell me that. I need you to tell me if there's anything I'm just missing because of lack of format knowledge." And it's weird to say like lack of format knowledge when I'm someone who's like played magic for you know, since Mirrodin, I know all the sets that came out. And when, you know, when someone tells me about pioneer or modern, like I know what's in those formats because I, I can visualize in my head, these sets and, and these sets of cards. But when you tell me to tell me to visualize what's in historic, I I'm just completely lost. <laughs> I, I don't think you're the only one. In fact, I know there's two people on this call right now who are in the same boat. So what do you think? What do you guys think about that? Of 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 a magic format that is not confined to a set to like a, a certain years of a set or sets. So, 
when they started historic i was actually kind of all for it i really liked the idea of anthologies where you could just like you know drop cards whatever you wanted to cure out the format however you wanted to i thought it would make for a like a more interesting format where you didn't have to have a bunch of baggage like if you didn't like a bunch of cards in Mirrodin, for example you didn't want chrome mox you could just put a bunch of Mirrodin cards but you didn't have to put in like chrome mox or mind slaver or whatever problematic cards they don't want to be in the format something like that but as time went on uh, it became clear that they maybe not even curating it well or anything it's just the different ways they injected cards were just so hard to keep track of you've got the anthologies then the jump start decks then the second set of jump start decks which added new cards completely from whole cloth then the <laughs> alchemy cards now it's just so much to keep track of and i'm way 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 more forgiving of the alchemy sets themselves because at least that's a set right you you can gesture to a set mm. and be like oh this is an innistrad themed made up card right yeah. that makes sense like like a, a but like then a i'm like Kaladesh oh wait Mastered or something like that where it's some yeah. cards from kaladesh and i think it's like every card with kaladesh except for hanger uh, not hanger back um, walking walking. Bullets, uh, <laughs> too bad and then yeah but then you learn like almost every card from kaladesh except for literally my favorite card from from Kal from that block it's frustrating and it's a huge deal because there's there's a heliod deck yeah and that's why the card's not in the format. Well, right. <laughs> probably I really wish yeah. they would avoid that by just banning Heliod if that combo is too good. But the problem with Historic is when, like, I learn on a random Wednesday that Aether Spellbomb is legal, when I would have absolutely no context to believe that card is legal at any point, that's where I think Historic has failed. Yeah, there's there's just no, like, no set of mental shortcuts that can get you there to know what is in the set and and i i feel like i've heard this mentioned on like a bunch of different podcasts and it's seen it in a lot of different articles just like the game of is this in historic like you just it's so hard to know and the fact that chromatic sphere the one of the two chromatic cards that kind of doesn't really even work under magic the gatherings rules is in historic and it's a mana ability not... that draws a card <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah they chose to program that in instead of chromatic star it's crazy yeah it's that's, so that, that it's really weird what was the one most recently um one of the teams revealed their uh they worked on a tainted pack deck mm -hmm. and they were talking about how they have uh unburial rights elishnorn and i just sat back and was like elishnorn where, where did where <laughs> yeah. did Elishnorn come a, from? <laughs> there was an anthology where they stuck. See, and this, so there is a, a certain point if you've been just like constantly doing historic, like each time they reveal that they, they release an anthology or a jumpstart or whatever, and you kind of like get the experience of the weekend where everybody's doing the thing. Because there was an anthology where they released all the Praetors, mm. and then for like a week, you could not play a match of historic without <laughs> it being versus an unburial rights Praetors deck because ah. that was all anybody was doing was like mulching into Praetors or whatever. But then it wasn't that good, so that stopped, and then the Praetors really haven't seen any play. But they do exist in the format now. Yeah, it, yeah, it, that was that was a very it was very interesting, especially for historic, just figuring out what was going on. 
as far as like the main decks uh with like phoenix food and 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 arcanist and control i like my food matchup a lot uh mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't like like i said i haven't really done due diligence in terms of testing i didn't sit across the table from or the the digital table from someone who was good at magic playing a, a good food list and, and jam you know 100 games or anything and that's what i think i would want to do if i was like all in on i i want to win this tournament but from what i played against food i liked my food matchup uh my deck has karn uh and it's just it, sure. it goes hard <laughs> and fast yeah <laughs> um and for that reason like i think the the phoenix matchup is like okay but like clearly the phoenix deck is playing much better cards than my deck like expressive iteration is an absurd magic card it's very good but the like matchup versus the arcanist deck is just completely unwinnable <laughs> because they not only they have thought seeds but they also have like a bunch of removal and my deck mm -hmm. is a combo deck but it is kind of a creature combo deck like you can win without creatures but when you have your emery and your lanawar elves and your and your kinians and all those things ha and your reality chips attached to things all those things happening uh make it so it's very hard to beat arcanist but the nice thing is the reality chips do help a lot versus like the blue white controlling decks. So I, overall, like I didn't feel besides the Arcanist matchup, I didn't feel like among the top decks, there was like things that I couldn't beat. So as long as I was doing something cool and doing something fun and, and, and enjoying myself, which is a weird thing to say because magic is awesome. But I definitely had times during the last two set championships where I wasn't having a good time. And I was like, this time I need to make sure that I'm trying, even if I'm losing, I'm doing uh, my best to enjoy the experience and, and be, and trying to get what I like out of magic. And I think that's, was it, was it that you were playing decks that you just like, that didn't line up with kind of your like player type or whatever? Like what, why weren't you having a good time? A little bit. Like, obviously I'm predisposition to just not be having a good time playing arena so i think that's like a majority of it <laughs> and, and like i said that that might not be the most like logical thing but that, at this point it's just I, I think i just have to admit that that is what it is i just don't like to play the game magic on arena or the game that is like magic on arena <laughs> but like i just clearly i do have a better time when i'm doing crazy artifact things and i'm sure lee sure. can appreciate that <laughs> oh yeah and, and I, I do like playing aggro decks which is like i wouldn't play it I'm at the point in Magic where I realize that there is a large percentage to be gained by doing something that you enjoy. Uh, I don't play Magic tournaments anymore that I don't want to play. Like there was a point where I would go to a PTQ or 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 something because it made the most sense. It was the highest EV. Mm -hmm. Now I, I think at this point in my Magic career, I learned that if I'm going to go there, I want I need to want to go there. I need to want to play. I need to want to you know, play my deck and be experiencing what I'm experiencing. How much of that do you think is an effect of getting a little older and prioritizing your things a little differently? And how much of that do you think is an effect of organized play as it exists now and the fact that it's all online and like there's always something else at some point that you can play, you know, like, like you know, there was a very limited number of PPTQs yeah. that you could get to. Do you think that's just like a place that you naturally would have come to regardless? Or do you think that the the situation changing had an impact on that? Mm, that's a good question. I, I do think that the situation changing had some impact, but I also like definitely can note this type of philosophy change uh, within me as like a person and on uh, in a lot of 
a variety of actions that are not Magic the Gathering. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's just like more more of like a growing up or just like a, a self-improvement thing where I was like, I, I need to do less things. In, I, I don't have a lot of time in life. And I need to do less things that I don't want to do. And I think that's like a that's a, like a growing up thing or just a realization that I had come to. Uh, maybe like that could you could also say you know, pandemic helped that too. Um, but I think mm-hmm. that was even even pre-pandemic. I was pushing towards that direction of how am I using my time as a human being? If, if nothing else, the pandemic put that sort of thing in perspective. Mm. So, hey, do you have any more questions about historic? I can try, yeah, I, I try my best say, to answer them. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Uh, I was just going to say if if there's anything else you have to say about historic, but if not, then we could definitely move on to alchemy how was your experience diving into this brand new format oh, yeah so historic <laughs> i at least had some prior reference and i have you know i i keep track of what's going on in pioneer even though i don't play pioneer just because i i I'm friends with a lot of magic online grinders so I, i'm usually tuned in to what's happening in the other magic online formats so i have like some idea of what's going on in historic when when i was told this thing is alchemy i was just like oh not like this. <laughs> because i was actually super excited to play standard at the time i was like grinding a bunch of uh like white weenie and i was playing um like the yuda takahashi blue red dragons and i was like i was like oh man the standard format seems pretty good i know they just changed a bunch of stuff but like i'm i'm enjoying it like it could be fun and then <laughs> and then there's like no 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 you're you're not playing standard you're playing standard light is actually what i think people are calling it uh, it seems to be, and I'm going to preface a lot of these thoughts for alchemy with the fact that I have not done a lot of alchemy games. I did a lot of historic games because I wanted to make sure my cool combo deck that I put together, uh, was Functioned. playable. <laughs> it was, a, wasn't just a huge mistake for alchemy. I haven't played nearly as many games and that's because there is a tier zero deck to beat in alchemy. Uh, and and that's runes, uh, which I have a nice picture of me quoting. What is runes? <laughs> 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 to to this Discord full of people who knew exactly what runes was. I was like, guys, can you tell yeah. me what runes is? Like, they're like Simon let's, just want to. Let's slow. Let's slow it down here. What what, what are runes? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what, what is runes? <laughs> and so runes is uh it is a Naya enchantment deck. Uh, it is it is a aggro combo deck is the best way to describe it using the runes from uh, i believe the set is called call time and these are cards that i didn't know existed because they didn't make their way to vintage (laughs) the good news is there was one card in vintage that in the deck so I, i had some idea of why the deck was good but the runes are just like these auras that cantrip uh, and they can be searched by Runeforge Champion, which makes them cost one colorless. And so with the new enchantment creature, the green-white enchantment creature that makes enchantment spells cost one less. I don't, I don't know the name. <laughs> uh, uh, Jukai Naturalist. Sure. I believe you. I registered this card in my deck. I have no idea what the name is. <laughs> it makes your runes cost zero. Uh, and so that's your little bit of, more of like a combo aspect. You are playing uh, the the little creature. It's a squirrel. It's a one drop. I, mean, I look at my runes list. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Generous well, visitor. So- are you talking about the one that pumps you guys? It's very, very similar to the, the standard deck. So, yeah, that that's what we should talk about. 
first before I guess we go into this is alchemy is standard, but you have a set of cards that are uh, arena only alchemy cards, and you have nerfs that are alchemy and historic only. I believe that is the format. <laughs> yeah. So yes. for instance, Faceless Haven is a three, three on historic Arena, yeah, and historic and alchemy, and just straight up banned in standard. Right. Uh, Goldspan Dragon nerfed in alchemy to the point where it's not really playable, and you also can't do any of the cool stuff with it. Uh, a lot of cards are buffed, but I don't believe I'd be surprised if any of the buff cards are on screen I during this during did, coverage of this. I set did hear about a dungeon deck. I don't know <laughs> if someone <laughs> registered the dungeon deck. But I did hear about Dungeon Deck. I think the biggest thing to mention, though, is the two cards that make this not standard mm -hmm. are the nerfs to Luminarch Aspirant, which is, makes it so it's like at the end step, you get a 1-1 a one -one counter, and uh, Goldspan Dragon. Um, because from what I'm told about standard, the best two decks are White Weenie, with Luminarch Aspirant and uh, uh, some kind of Goldspan Dragon combo deck that uses treasures. And I don't exactly know how it works. But those are supposedly the two best decks in Standard. They're both... Well, basically, yeah. So the, the Goldspan Dragon... And this is important because Goldspan Dragon doesn't work like this in Alchemy. Right. Uh, if you target Goldspan Dragon with Show of Confidence, I think it's called, mm -hmm. you, you get a plus one counter and a treasure. And it copies itself. So you get to do it a bunch of times, mm -hmm. making a bunch of treasures and flashing it back and all that stuff. You just like can kill them really easily right. with a Goldspan Dragon. But in Alchemy, you just can't because when you target Goldspan Dragon, it doesn't give you a treasure. You're, <laughs> you're done. You've done your thing. And those and in, in Standard, uh, each of those decks have a lot of game against runes because the Goldspan Dragon decks just have a bunch of in easy instant speed removal so you can take out the creatures that they're trying to put runes on. And the white weenie decks have, you know, four brutal cathars and up to, like a bunch of portable holes and or skyclave apparitions. So even if they make their stuff gigantic, like you can exile it. So the the runes problem, runes is still playable in standard, but the other two good decks in the format, the other two best decks in the format have real responses to the plays that the runes deck can and, make. And that's why you're going to see pros and people on, on Twitter talk about how alchemy is actually a lower powered format than standard because of those two decks being nerfed and because the alchemy cards in general are not the strongest from what mm -hmm. i can tell uh it actually ends up being a standard format but without the two best deck or two of the best decks because i think the three best decks would be the, those two decks and runes um and now you don't have those two decks i mean you could still play white weenie and i'm sure mm -hmm. people will uh, but it, it definitely you like Luminarch Aspirin is a very good card. This is a card that sees vintage play from time to time. Uh, <laughs> and so like nerfing that card definitely changes. Things. Yep. And also uh, a couple of the really like two of the alchemy cards were like good enough to help define a new format. And that was uh, Town Razor Tyrant and the the four drop that you get a three drop with it mm. but they nerfed both of those they sanded those down such that you know they're not really helping to define the format to a significant amount anymore right and that was just the most recent nerfs was the town yes. razor well i think i changed a couple of times i think but the most recent set of nerfs really made the format standard light or 
like I think the mm-hmm. di- the only difference between the runes deck or at least some runes decks and uh, their standard counterparts is like some of them are playing a uh, Forsaken Crossroads, which is like a, a tap land that is sometimes not a tap land, it's sometimes a scry land, depending yeah. on if you're the starting player, and it chooses a color of mana. Right, so just a moderate adjustment to the mana base, and other than that, it is the standard runes deck. Right. And um, and that's so, so, the deck to beat. Runes. Right, so, so you start out your testing with the runes deck kind of overshadowing the whole thing, mm. and I guess, like, at the end of the day, you kind of just felt that you couldn't beat them, so you had to join them? I, I felt that no matter what testing I did, it wasn't going to be at an acceptable level for <laughs> for alchemy versus the teams that I would just play level zero. So this is a, this is a nice tweet right now from Zach Dunn, who is like a, one of the Zoomer like masters. Hmm. Uh, level zero, play runes because you didn't want to test. Level one, play a deck that you think beats runes, but it doesn't actually beat runes. Level two, play runes because it's really hard to beat. Or, or three, play a deck that actually beats runes. And he says... It's really hard to get to level three unless you had a team and people who were very good with runes to get there. And that that's mm-hmm. actually kind of how I looked at it from the very beginning. I was like, there are probably decks that beat runes, but I don't know if I'll be able to find them. And even if I do, it, will I have enough uh, bandwidth to actually make it there? And, and even if you do make it to, oh, this deck does beat runes, then you're at risk of losing to the decks that people are playing that they think beat runes, right. but don't beat exactly. runes. And I don't, that doesn't seem like a a good crowd to be losing to that seems exactly. like a healthy portion of the metagame my, my evaluation after playing runes was that this does not feel like a standard deck this is a extremely strong deck and i am okay with being you know the phoenix player of of, of alchemy and being the one with the head on the target because i think this deck should be good enough to just beat most people who are trying to beat it mm-hmm. and the reason for that is i want to go back to the the vintage playable card the re- <laughs> the thing that i saw when i immediately looked at this deck was i looked at the one card that i knew what it did uh and that was showdown of the skulls and so like a lot of your turns you're like your second saga turn looks like well i have the little one one so whenever i play an enchantment i get a one one counter i have this two two whenever i play an enchantment it gets one one counter i have the skulls that's hard so whenever i play anything it gets a one one counter oh i have my rune forge all my things cost zero or one play like three or four enchantments your whole field is now eight eights with haste <laughs> and you kill your opponent and and so the, the key card in my opinion and I'm, I'm allowed to i think be wrong on this one but uh it's all about showdown of skulls that's the card that makes sure. runes the, the 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 true you know tier zero deck it also buys you in addition to just being good with your plan a it buys you out of situations where like their cards lined up well against yours but then you can sometimes just land a showdown and that's your your entire not, game not only does it buff your whole team but it also draws four cards <laughs> <laughs> and you can find it with your one mana cantrip <laughs> commune with the spirits i'm on board for commune with spirits that definitely seems like it really when i was playing runes in standard uh commune really tied the room together for this deck yeah, I think I was sold on runes when, uh, so we in the Discord, we were watching uh, Guldicott play the standard uh, challenge top eight. This, this, this guy's an incredibly good player, so don't, don't take this the wrong way, but I watched him take actions at random 
for this top eight and just completely <laughs> murder his opponents. The games were close. They were, they, it was ridiculous. And I'm like trying to piece together in my head because we were watch, we basically sometimes we watch it and it's uh, deafened and muted. So it's not like we're, no one's giving him advice. We're just watching him play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm sitting there like, why would he do this? I don't, can't think of a reason why. And it d- doesn't matter. Showdown of the Skulls, win the game. <laughs> and that's when I was like, all right, well, I can focus on historic. I have at least, you know, a, a reasonable deck choice in alchemy. Um, from what I know about the other decks in alchemy, which is not a hell of a lot, uh, but there's a uh, an anvil deck, a, rack, uh, a sacrifice deck, uh, which is really, really cool. Like that's a deck that I would love to play with the uh, experiment synthesizer, the the little red man, mm-hmm. the little rock that uh, you get a card. Uh, that's a yeah. deck I would love to play. I, from what I've been told, it loses to runes. Yeah, so I think the the problem there is the same problem as like the meat hook mask. If, if like your main way of winning is grinding them mm-hmm. out, especially via like slow, you know, drain a couple of points of life per turn. That gives them plenty of time to put together a 10-10 trample lifelink, and then all your work is undone. Yeah, you so. can do that in a turn, and yeah. it can have haste. Uh, I, I... Your your best removal spell is a is Voltaic Surge. It's a four damage instant. It's like not that hard to beat for the yeah. rune stack. Like I think this, I from what I can understand, the alchemy tournament should be defined by how are people tr- beating, how how are they make their deck beat runes. I saw mm-hmm. one player on Twitter post their anvil list, and they had splashed white for Archon of Amiria. Sure, um, Archon seems sick, which is probably a good runes tech. You know, one spell per turn, things enter tapped, and or lands enter tapped, and all that nonsense. And runes does not have very much removal, so that does seem right. like a very smart direction. Yeah, there could be runes players who are playing a bunch of removal to beat runes. <laughs> The decks that people think beat runes, which are like blue-white control. The the purge card is insane. What is the purge card? Vine purge. It's an alchemy card. That one is actually a strong card. I think it's one white-white sorcery, exile all artifacts and creatures that cost three or less, and then they perpetually cost two more, and you can play them. So it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a time walking board. But they enter. But they enter tap. But they enter tap. Yes, true. <laughs> yeah so you can't you can't use the haste rune to yes. like get them even though yeah that sort of thing it's 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 a, it's a really annoying card when you're trying to beat someone with creatures <laughs> or even <laughs> or even trying to combo with your artifacts in historic because it's also in historic because alchemy cards are in historic I'm trying to keep all that straight but yeah there's like blue white and and um and the sacrifice deck and there's a there's a werewolf deck yeah, there's a lot of werewolf decks from the pup and the two drop, the outlaw or something. What is it? Rahilda, wanted cutthroat. Yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> yes. There, I actually have not. I didn't see very many werewolf decks, but I've been told they exist. I don't think they beat runes. I I honestly do not know how. So one of the big problems with alchemy, and this, I I've heard. I've gotten lots of information from people testing for this for mm-hmm. this set championship, and everyone is just kind of like, "All right, we got historic down. <laughs> no one knows what the hell to do in alchemy. Just are, are we, we playing, playing runes? You're like, gonna, <laughs> yeah. are we just gonna invest infinite hours to figure out like which of these piles has game against runes and the other piles mm. people might bring? 
But really, from what I've gathered, there's a lot of conf- there's mm-hmm. like a lot of uh, uncertainty about alchemy in general. I think that's a cool thing. Oh, I know that some people had spoken out that alchemy feels more like old Protor magic, where it's a bit of more of a wild west, and there's some open you know field competition to build a deck that actually is good because there's just no information on alchemy no one plays the format so there's no lists there's no tournaments there's no nothing and so you right, can this format brute. almost entirely exists within testing houses you know yeah. it's it, it is kind of like a new standard in old school it's, pro tours it's like a exactly. block yeah. format in yeah PTQ season. and i think you would have seen one of the most interesting pro tour formats for this alchemy event if runes didn't exist <laughs> because I I can guarantee you that format would have been like five percent five percent five percent five percent for deck uh, uh meta games, but now I think mm-hmm. it's going to be like thirty percent runes, twenty uh, percent sacrifice, twenty percent blue white, and then a smattering of decks that people think beat runes. I wonder how, and I mean I don't know how many pro tours we're going to get of alchemy, but I wonder how often the format is going to be like this, you know. It is a format where by doing this consistent nerfing process of any card that like, you know, playing whack-a-mole with cards and taking away anything that that is just like a little above the power level of the format, then you end up at some point like something is still pretty good, but you just haven't gotten to it yet. And anything that's pretty good is going to be hard to beat when you don't have access to the powerful other cards that were like supposed to be in the format with it so i wonder how often there will be this sort of like rut between the nerfs or something like that because you know after this certainly they have to they're gonna have to nerf something out of runes because that's just how this format works anything that's good doesn't get ignored depends on what cards they added because they're they're gonna add a a new alchemy set right true so it depends I think it's a product of how little play the format is seeing. And and you see this to different extents on a couple other Magic formats. The ones that come to mind for me are Pioneer and Vintage uh, because those formats have such low population that I think they're just super underexplored. Like if Mm -hmm. you were to have a Pioneer Pro Tour or a Vintage Pro Tour, on the next pro tour i think you would see someone would come up with some deck that would completely change the format and there's just because there's just not enough people playing it at a high enough incentive level so regularly i will tune into twitter and see a pioneer deck list that someone just like won an event with and i think it was uh abe posted a a deck he played at one of the one of his two gays or something in paper and it was just like a really good red black sacrifice deck that i just hadn't seen before it's a Luris deck, so you can't play it anymore. <laughs> but and and that just doesn't happen in other formats because everyone's like modern or standard. Everyone plays it so much, you just always know what's going on. The the little wrinkle for Alchemy is that it's no one plays it, but it's also small set format. Like Vintage is a you know no one plays it, but there's a million cards to choose from, and there are like there are events and like it's hard to beat the you know which cards are good, and it's hard to beat the cards that are good alchemy mm-hmm. it's small set but no one plays it so like maybe there are cards to beat i i'm interested to see like cause I, I have seen people talking in the discord who are on testing teams and from what i can tell i believe a lot of these testing teams have scattered deck lists like everyone chose different ways to beat runes 
So if there are a lot of viable different ways, uh, it could be like a super interesting uh, uh, pro tour with a lot of like even teams not having the same lists. Or that could be a bunch of people on teams tricking themselves in different ways. Like they oh, can't yeah, tell yeah. until the event actually there, happens. There are obviously pros and cons to being on a team environment and it goes a bunch of different ways that way. You know, I am I'm pretty excited to see. Obviously, we could get a couple of rounds into the tournament and then just be like, okay, well, we're done with Alchemy for I have no desire to watch any more of these. But it could mm. turn out pretty interesting. I think the cool thing is that Runes is a cool deck. Maybe it like will only be interesting for this one tournament and then it won't be interesting anymore. Mm-hmm. But like if you have never seen Runes, like if you didn't watch Simon win the PTQ or you didn't see like a standard challenge top eight or something and you've never seen Runes, like Runes is a really cool deck. They shit happens and the numbers go big and <laughs> it's yeah. cool. Yeah. And and it's not a bad coverage deck because by the whenever somebody does the broken thing, it's not that like, oh wow, I'm really like leveraging expressive iteration to just be up mm, extra cards mm. on you and you can't come back it's like here's a 15 15 trample you're dead it's explosive and, and there are lots of divergent lines like you have lots of sequencing that you can discuss on coverage even if it ends up being a runes dominated alchemy metagame i think it'll be interesting enough for one event and then yeah. for historic i think it, it really as long as like phoenix doesn't become too much of like the winner's metagame i think it's still pretty interesting I think it's really funny that people were insistent. When Historic was first a format and we knew we were getting Faithless looting into Historic and people were insistent that, like, there's no way that Phoenix was going to be powerful enough to keep up with the format. And then it's literally been, like, the best deck or the second best deck the Uh. entire time since Faithless looting was released in the, the Mystical Archive. Yeah, the big thing was the Brainstorm, right? Once the brainstorm was in and then went out, those were the big mm-hmm. change. Like like brainstorm going out was supposed to like, oh yeah, this will this will knock Phoenix down a peg, <laughs> and then it just did didn't do that. Drop Phoenix, in the bucket. Phoenix is like <laughs> one of the few decks in the historic that just leverages playing the good cards, as in yeah. playing expressive iteration. <laughs> right. <laughs> And it's also a really, really attractive deck for mm, good players true. too, because it's got a lot of card draw, a lot of sequencing, a lot of ways to like play your cards in the correct order at the correct time to like have a good effect. It's a really appealing oh, yeah. deck to just play a lot yeah, of games. Yeah, gr- grinders love Phoenix for sure. I'm I'm not immune to this. I really liked playing Phoenix in Modern when it was uh, around. I didn't play it as much as a lot of other people. Well, Casey, I was around for a lot of that time, so. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. I, I, that was like the same deck, but dialed to 11 for the things there, I like. There was so, definitely yeah. a non-zero chance that I went into this tournament and was like, okay, Runes and Phoenix, I play, I'll do the best I can. Like, And I don't even think that's a bad idea. And I think that's probably an idea that's better than a lot of other choices that I could end up making. <laughs> so It's really hard for that to be a mistake, right? Yeah. It might not be 1 million percent optimal, but it's so unlikely that you leave the tournament with e- after choosing either of those and being yeah. like wow it was really dumb to pick that deck it's really really easy to trick yourself into thinking you've you know got something else or figured mm-hmm. something out and it's almost impossible to trick yourself by playing like one of the two <laughs> best decks in a format at any given yeah. time <laughs> i didn't want to play phoenix i i've played a lot of phoenix style decks in my life and i don't think mm-hmm. i play them well it's what i have the conclusion i've come to like, I have good results playing, like, Delver and Legacy or or these kind of decks, but, like, I know 
I'm not maximizing my my output on them. And, and that doesn't matter enough. Like if I played Phoenix, I'm sure I could put like get to a high enough level uh, of competency. But I know I'm not maxing it. Whereas like if I play a deck that is doing something off the wall and combo oriented, I, I know I can try to maximize it and maybe get to somewhere that is you know higher than I could. And I, if I had to guess, I don't, that's the more risky and the less likely, you know, it's the less likely outcome. But it'll be fun watching me try. <laughs> let me let me ask you this, because I think we were very alike in this regard. How much of that, like Delver versus Wacky Combo deck, how much of that is just what you want to play, what you enjoy? Because I, I also feel similarly with the, the Delver style, Phoenix style decks. Like I can play those fine, but I just don't want to because I would rather, I, I would have more fun playing. I would say it's like, it, it, it's not overwhelmingly either way. I do legitimately think that I get more, I can I can get more out of a deck, a combo, uh, like a crazy combo deck than I can from like a, a more magic fundamental style deck. And, and it pops up a lot for me when I'm playing, when I'm playing a streaming vintage, I was able to like see this happen multiple times because whenever I play these, the blue fair decks in vintage, uh, like the Jeskai or the Bug or, or these, these decks that are very, Magic Fundamental Fair deck, you do the best thing you can and, and you're optimizing. I, I don't get nearly enough out of it. Like, I, I'm not doing more than the, mm -hmm. the average person. Whereas sure. when I play PO, like, I, I know I'm I'm getting more out of this deck when I think it's bad and I'm still, like, winning events or something. <laughs> right, when you, you have to keep posting the deck list after you top eight and say, like, I don't recommend playing this, <laughs> this deck right This now. is my port of 2019 as for PO. It's still not good, but like I said, I can, I can do it. <laughs> Well, and, and I think that gets dialed up a little bit, too, when you're talking about playing one of those Magic Fundamental decks, in this case, Phoenix, taking it to a PT, knowing that the field is going to be heavily mirror matches, mm. and a number of those people are going to be people who are more comfortable and can ring a little bit more out of that deck, and, you know, playing a micro-decision heavy mirror match in a deck that is not your favorite way to play Magic is probably a good way to lose some percentage points against the pt level field it's a tough it's a tough logical area to get in because i think mm -hmm. for the most part people overestimate like oh if i play the mirror versus someone better than me how much are they going to win more than me people vastly sure. overestimate how much they're actually going to win more than you uh because magic is just magic like there's lands there like, you know there's all these kinds of built-in <laughs> variants but i don't think it's an insignificant amount either it's just tough to make sure that you understand how exactly how much that that amount is. And it may just be like a tiebreaker or something. And it may be a thing that like if you're going to a, an SCG open level field, you don't think makes a difference. But then maybe with the play skills that you'll run into here, it could be a, a mm. factor. That's like a th an interesting thing, too, is what is the play skill of a online PT? Like what how, how good are these players? It's a little hard to tell because people qualify in such <laughs> random ways. Like you, you qualify through vintage yeah. on Magic Online. I would, and then you have someone else who qualified just grinding historic events. I would absolutely consider myself a fish in the field. So like, but like that's not true for every person who qualified for vintage. Like one of the people who qualified via the vintage mocks is Nico Boni, who is like two-time Pro Tour top eighter, yeah. like super good magic player like oh you can't just say like oh all the people who qualified via vintage ptqs are bad but no well maybe only the people who qualified through like these arena like 10-man tournaments that no one knew about like 
well, how is that any different from someone who qualified at a, a PTQ in the middle of, of the United States that, you know, had 12 grinders at it or whatever? Like, right. It's really tough I mean, to tell. There, there's always been variance in the level in the field and you just have to like assume that by around round five or so, if you're winning, then you will be exclusively playing against players who are there to win and mm. are capable of it. Although I do just want to mention like, if, if you are a fish in this field, like I've watched a, a pretty reasonable amount of your stream <laughs> with you playing different stuff, like, and you're a completely competent magic player that I have every confidence in. So if you're a fish in this field, then it is a pretty good field. Yeah. I mean, I hamstring myself in a lot of ways for these tournaments, being on mm -hmm. arena and, and mentally, and I, I'm not, I wish I could play my A game for these kind of tournaments, but I've tried and I just can't. Uh, and, and mm -hmm. maybe that's me like giving up. It's possible, but like <laughs> I definitely, <laughs> um, I wish I could get more out of myself when it came to these events. And I'm hoping that if or when or something that a, a paper pro tour ever came back, that I could qualify for that and really try, you know, my 100%. And I don't like it's, I'm not giving excuses, I'm giving reasons because I do think like. I, so it's do you think there is. are any ways that you could get back some of those percentage points or whatever, it, like assuming that it's going to stay arena tournaments? Like if you, you know, found yourself in a team that mm -hmm. was like totally fine with the amount of time you were able to dedicate and just like kind of wanted to, to like, do, uh, is there any way that you feel like you could offset or deal with the arena ness and and buy back those percentage points <laughs> yeah i think it's just uh it's just uh, alloc time time allocation and and, mm -hmm. be and being with the right people um and, and like i said i could definitely try harder to achieve those kind of things magic online magic players are awesome if you if you're out there and you <laughs> qualify for a pt like you can go on twitter and, and be like hey man help can someone can someone please help me i want to do well at this pt i'm looking for help and mm -hmm. if you if you you know it's a, there's a certain amount of luck in connections but like if you tag the right person and it's a good day and they're like yeah like here here's like a bunch of people who i also know who are playing and looking at other people to play with and test with like these things happen and these like kind of just uh you know chance and personal encounters like can really level up your shot at like doing well at these kind of tournaments that's that's why i was really really impressed with I believe it was Minguchi, mm, his open it's a great idea. testing team. Very good idea. He just, he basically just made a Discord where he's like, all right, if you qualified for the Pro Tour, this is completely open. Just come on. Everyone will have people test there. People will be on voice chat, you know, in the afternoons and play when they can. And it's just like an open team environment. I think that was a really, really good idea because a lot of people are just just don't mm -hmm. know people just, to, just to haven't had the opportunity to connect with someone else yet or it could be like tough for them to connect with people for like whatever reason there's tons of reasons yeah. in life that you you have a hard time connecting with people location you know anything uh and so like i really do think that you always should try to approach these kind of problems where you know more like years there's you could do really well by yourself but there's always going to be things that you can improve on and things that you can do more with when you have more people it's just how these kind of things work like obviously also, you need to, it needs to be structured and you know sometimes like you know there's obviously clogging of, of 
of channels, but um, if you can structure it, you always want to have more people. Also, what a shocker, like Mangucci doing something cool and being oh, yeah. a good dude. Oh, I have a huge Mangucci simp, so. Yeah, yeah. He's such a positive <laughs> it's, force. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's... he just, like, loves magic mm. so, like, forcefully and publicly <laughs> and is, like, constantly posting his cube decks and stuff. And, like, it's just very I, I wish I could love magic as much as he does. It's crazy. Because <laughs> I do love magic, but it's obviously, you know, not as much as some other points in my life. It's a, it's an ebb and flow thing. But that dude is just overflowing 110 at all points, and I just love it. <laughs> It probably helps to have won like seven hundred and fifty thousand oh, dollars playing yeah. Magic the Gathering. So, I mean, he's just a happy guy. I got to meet him in person. It was pretty nice when I went to Italy. That that is really cool. And definitely, yeah, most of it is personality based. But that should be interesting. I, I actually am. I'm much more invested in this Pro Tour than I thought I was going to be. Um, for the for the first one, I was per, I was like, you know, reasonably invested. Oh, it's my first one. The second one, I was completely off it because I, I just didn't really, I, I didn't really have any good reason. I just didn't have any drive. For this one, like, uh, I just know a lot of people now who are going to be playing in it from that from that Discord that I mentioned, and so it, mm -hmm. it really it it helps a lot for when you you have reasons to be interested. And some of it's like, oh, these decks could be really cool. Some of it's, oh, my friends are playing or this person's playing, and they and they said they broke it and. And, and I actually, I don't know, it's probably not spread out past, like, certain pockets of, of, of uh, you know, like, heavily enfranchised Twitter. But I, at least from what I can tell, among the people who are in and around this Pro Tour, it seems pretty positive, which is interesting to mm -hmm. me. The general atmosphere about the event and playing in it and watching watching people play in it. And that might just be my echo chamber uh, but I definitely have had multiple pro tours in the past, you know, that have not been that way and like vigorously the other way. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know why either. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I've seen both sides of it. I've seen people still poo poo the mm. championships and all that. But honestly, it, it's mostly just noise at this point. Just people to complain yeah. to complain. Like, I don't. It's just a tournament Watsy puts on. <laughs> people are playing in it. <laughs> like. Yeah, I, I definitely, I don't have the energy to be like, I, I like like right now my, my view of the online tournaments is like they don't have any other option really given COVID mm -hmm. and sure there has been other OP mismanagement stuff, but we'd probably be in a really like weird spot regardless of what they were doing. And these tournaments are fine right. and there are matches that I want to watch and there are players that I want to watch play. Hmm. And as long as they're given that to us, then I am like, I'll be there for it. Like, it feels like a lot of the alternative to this, like, I, I like the set championships and it feels like a lot of the alternative to Wizards holding the set championships, if they were just to respond to the negative feedback, it would just be to not yeah. hold anything at all. <laughs> and that's not a solution. What you mentioned about, like, you know, you have, a, uh, you know, a lot of people who are in the tournament, you have people in mm -hmm. the discord that you want to see how well they do. I, I realized the other day, like one of the things that I missed the most about going to paper tournaments was like standing by the, the rope mm. watching my friends in the top eight of a tournament and like whispering to like one of our other friends about, cause it's hard to see, you know, what's going yeah. on, but then there's the camaraderie and like figuring out what's going on in the match. And, and if, 
if this person is winning or whatever. And uh, I miss that exact moment, like whispering that like Collins just drew the sideboard card in the match or whatever. And uh, it, I, I would love to to get back to seeing my friends do well in tournaments because that was really fun. One of my favorite parts about that uh, scenario you're describing, like at the rope, is just if the person in the middle of the round, everyone around me is just like a stranger, I can still turn next to them and be like, yeah. what is that? I don't recognize that card. And they'll be like, oh, it's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I think that's like... It's just nice. It's definitely something that's missing now. And like obvious for obvious reasons, but like the whole grassroots competitive magic that grows upward where hey i'm playing at my local store and i know that the the best player at my local store he won a ptq so he's he's going to be playing in this set championship and i can go on friday and i can go turn on the tv while i'm at work and see if my see if is my butt or he may not even buddy maybe this guy i hate he always beats me at the in my fnm like is he winning <laughs> like what's going on like what's going on at this pro tour? like and there's no there's not as much build up anymore to that and i think mm-hmm. you're like when you start cutting across like those those connections and those little like roots it's really hard to grow a huge like op tree and i like I, again i'm not blaming anyone because of like it's very hard to do any kind of thing like that in any kind of gathering right now it, that's it's really visible now on how how those like very small things and very grassroots things contribute to the whole of like competitive magic and mm-hmm. it's 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 yeah it's definitely a little saddening i i know exactly what you mean yeah i agree completely and just kind of hoping that at some point covid gets to a place where it's not yeah. restricting this as much and that you know huey's there at op and hopefully they're coming up with something and maybe the stars will align to to give us back some of those things that we really like about paper play yeah i i've heard some things and i'm i'm still I'm still one of the hopefuls that something will mm-hmm. happen and something will return or be created. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But it's a little weird for me, too, because I'm now extremely disattached from that where I, I'm streaming a couple of days a week and I'm playing a format that no one plays and I'm doing it to, <laughs> to some people on Twitch and uh, some viewers across on the world on YouTube. And it's it's very, very different than what was happening before but it's like different in good ways too so really really difficult to get into paper vintage if paper magic comes back (laughs) well the the thing is paper vintage is actually just not a thing uh paper Mm -hmm. vintage is something you do with people you know when you play magic like you 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 guys play you play magic together and you're like one day you're like yeah what if we just play some black lotuses and you you sleeve up 60 card proxy decks at your local Mm -hmm. store and you play four player play play pods like that's that's what paper vintage is these days. Vintage is almost entirely online. And the yeah. online community is really cool. It's pretty tight knit. And like the, the fact that you can just get a, a a vintage deck on Moto for far less than most modern decks is mm-hmm. really, like the, the format exists and that is what is keeping it sustainable. And that is really cool. Thanks, Moto, for letting me play Lotus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. Uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Uh, anything about tournament prep, arena, paper play, anything on your mind? Uh, please feel free to. Nah, I'm just, I'm just going to say if you do watch, make sure you cheer, 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 uh, tune in and cheer on the Zoomers. I, I, I am just incredibly impressed by these. Like, obviously, they're kids. They have more time. 
But the dedication is like you can choose to do a lot of things with your time when you're a kid and they're choosing to play magic in one of the hardest times to play magic. And a lot of times in tournaments where sometimes they don't even get the rewards for the tournaments that they're supposed to based on what's right. There's some of these kids who have queued for for five pro tours and they've been able to play zero of them kind of thing. And I'm just like super happy that I know there's at least one team where it's like a couple of, uh, you know, like Hall of Famers and old school pros that is combining with a bunch of Zoomers who have put in a ton of work. And so I'm just like hoping a that that they have a good time. And they combination, do well. honestly. Yeah, I, I think I mean, if I had to guess, they're going to do they're going to do well. But yeah. uh, those are the people that I want to see, like really succeed are the ones who are who are ha- who are happy and trying and doing like and putting in the the gusto. Yeah, I mean, shouts to to Nathan Stoyer, just six mm. zero in the mox. So and... good. <laughs> Ooh, and he just went and won the NRG, and like it's crazy. Yeah, the kid is, dude is very good at magic. I, I got has to, been for I got to play against Nathan now. in Paper Magic back when the Grand Prix were happening, and I was like looking down, who's this kid? Oh, yeah, he's real good. <laughs> you <could> just tell. <laughs> uh, it was, it's great watching those those players like really come into their own. So. Yeah, thanks yeah, for having it, me on. It's, it's, it's really fun. exciting. Good. Yeah, no, we really, really appreciate you you coming on. This was super helpful. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We do really, really appreciate your time. If you'd like to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. Justin, where can people find you on the internet, on Twitch, whatever, wherever you want people yeah, to find you? I, I am. I am actually LVL1. I am actually level one on Twitch, Twitter youtube and if you get to the twitter there's a whole page there that has all kinds of links to all kinds of fun stuff past coverage data sheets discords there's all kinds of stuff out there especially if you're interested in coming to play vintage with me i know some of you want to play black lotus magic online is the place to be (laughs) justin is one of the best at gathering vintage data i will say that the team that i have and the other guys we do we do a lot and it's really, really cool. And I wish we could see more data like it for other formats, too. I do. I do, too, really. Yeah, absolutely. I, I realized that I made a mistake and I should have introduced you by your moto handle or at least mentioned <laughs> your, your handle at the beginning of the episode. Because I feel like we probably there's a, a, a decent chance that some subset of our listeners like we just got through 90 minutes of the podcast <laughs> and then they're like, oh, it's I am actually level one. That that just, that's just extra work for you in post. That's <laughs> I, yeah, I can I can cut it in. The you beginning, could. But then this section makes no sense. So. <laughs> no, not, just no, no. Just make I'll this. Just, just make this the cold play. open. It's perfect. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a vintage episode. I swear. <laughs> If you want to find us on Twitter, I am tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. Yeah, I'm at Lee McLeo. Thanks again, and have a great week. Bye.